Welcome to the Cheer.fm podcast, Ask Salt Spring Answered. After many Ask Salt Spring events, we sit down in our studio with Gail Baker's guests and review some of the key points discussed. Welcome to Episode 6 of Ask Salt Spring Answered. This time, Damian Inwood sits down with Gary Holman to talk about housing issues on Salt Spring. Okay, uh, my name is Damien Inwood. I'm here with Gary Holman, the uh, CRD director for Salt Spring Island. And we've just been sitting in the Ask Salt Spring session and had quite an interesting discussion. Once again, housing was a big issue. And there were a number of announcements that uh, Gary told us about that uh, decisions made by the CRD board, including one approving the borrowing of $85 million for a regional housing program. So tell me a bit about that, Gary. <laughs> Thanks, Damien. Um Yes, uh, th three Salt Spring or three issues dealt with by the board that have um, implications for Salt Spring. So the eighty-five million w w uh, that the the board approved um, a a proposal to take um, to take that question to municipal councilors and to voters. So basically, the board approved the the beginning of a consent voter approval process so the 13 municipalities uh have to consent to that borrowing and then in electoral areas which include salt spring there'll be a, a alternative approval process or uh, otherwise known as a counter petition uh, and 11 out of 16 local governments in the crd have to say yes to uh, allow for that borrowing, and the borrowing is intended to uh, help fund affordable housing throughout the region. It, it's the hope of the CRD, uh, just as we have in the past, uh, to get senior governments, um, BC Housing and CMHC specifically, to partner with us, ideally match that funding. So th this current uh, proposal is, uh, I guess, a second round uh, of a very similar initiative um, uh, undertaken uh, last term by the CRD. So it, the CRD in, in that uh, case uh, put together a $120 million fund, $40 million which the CRD contributed through borrowing. Um, and then uh, CMHC and BC Housing matched that to put together a $120 million fund, which was spent on a number of uh, projects throughout the region, including at least one on Salt Spring. Um, that funding now is basically being fully committed. And so this $85 million is a, a second uh, round of, of that approach, and, uh, but voter, voters will have to agree to it. Okay, and uh, that... From the $40 million, that was Croftonbrook that, that benefited from that, right? Yeah, Croftonbrook got, I think about uh, through that and another regional housing fund, uh, roughly $4 million for Croftonbrook, and then they got some additional funding directly from BC Housing. That was the, that was the partner for that uh, project. And Croftonbrook was uh, 56 units in two phases. Uh, phase one is the existing Croftonbrook buildings there. Uh, so phase two and three were funded through the Regional Housing First program and also funding from BC Housing. Okay. And just explain to me how that uh, affects the taxpayers and how the money gets paid back. I guess you borrow $40 million and then 
Yeah, and so the, so the taxpayer cost is to pay for the carrying costs on that loan. Uh, and so Salt Spring pays a portion of these borrowings, and a, that portion is based on our um, assessed values as a share of total assessed values in the CRD. So that, that might be in the order of 25 to 3% would be our share our, uh, of the carrying costs on those borrowings. Right, okay. But then if you spend $40 million, uh, through the CRD, uh, where do you get the money back to pay, repay the loan that you've borrowed? The, that's where the requisition comes in. Okay. So there's an annual, like the, I think the, I forget the the term of the loan might have been it's through the municipal finance authority where all local governments in British Columbia borrow money from that municipal finance authority at at very competitive rates. I think only the province has better rates. Um, uh, so m the money board there, and then the the carrying costs on that on that debt are covered by property taxes, right. and those property taxes are shared by all the local jurisdictions within the CRD based on their assessed values. Right. Okay. So, um, and I gather that this uh, counter petition, as you called it, um, that's basically when people who are opposed to it can. Uh, put their names in they sign a petition saying we do not want this uh, right. borrowing to happen or this service to be established yeah right okay and is there what's the how many signatures do they have to get for that uh, yeah so it's it's 10 percent of registered voters which on salt spring is is around 950 so if 950 uh voters on the voters list sign that petition salt spring has said no but the the approval threshold for the borrowing is um 11 out of 16 local governments have to say yes so five can say no and it can still pass so okay. salt spring could say no and right. it could still pass yeah. i strongly support it when the you know when the counter petitions become available there'll, there'll be public discussions about it and articles i support it because it's uh we we are not just salt spring but the region as a whole are, are in a housing crisis and that this is one way in which in a very important way in which crd can uh, help alleviate that so with the regional housing first the previous program in the last term uh, funded about uh, 17 1800 units of affordable housing um, and uh, uh, that's a significant uh, contribution so this time round costs have escalated uh, the target for that regional housing first were 2,000, but we didn't reach that target because costs were escalating through that period. So the 85 million, I, I believe, especially if we can get partners um, uh, working with us, will fund more units, but it also in part uh, has to deal with escalating costs. My point being, though, is that, that we, not only regionally, but Salt Spring can benefit significantly from this. So it's on us to get uh, proposals in to that program and, and try and get some funding diverted here for affordable housing. Salt Spring has been reasonably successful at doing that. Right, and you mentioned the Drake Road project as being one that could benefit from this, right? Uh, possibly. So there's there's two projects on Drake Road. One is the uh, the five-acre 
a property donated by the school district to the CRD, so the, the housing corporation actually owns that. Uh, we have leased that to BC Housing for 60 years. So BC Housing is doing the 28 units of supported housing, but in addition to that, there's more development potential on that five-acre property. That property could uh, be one of the projects that's put forward for this second round of funding. The other project is the Dragonfly project, which also um, was an agenda item at the board meeting, and we can talk about separately. That's an ownership project, so it's not uh, eligible for for uh, that kind of funding. The basically, it's it's ownership, so it's basically the owners of the units that will be funding that, not taxpayers. But it's uh, aimed at employees. Really, an important project. The role that the CRD is playing there, and I can so go into the second issue that we dealt sure. with at the board. Yep. The board um, approved a staff recommendation uh, to work with the Dragonfly proponents. It's a 30-unit uh, proposal further down Drake Road. Uh, work towards the establishment of a water utility, which because they're an ownership um, project, uh, they they need to establish a utility. They need either North Salt Spring or CRD to manage that operate that utility. North Salt Spring declined. CRD has agreed to work with them to establish a utility. So the the proponents and ultimately the strata owners will pay for uh the new facility, pay to operate it. It's a CRD will be the uh, will be the operator. Uh, the, the design has to be to CRD specs, uh, but it'll be a brand new system um, built to CRD specs, and then the CRD takes it over and operates it as one of their utilities. Okay, so uh, so eventually you would run it? Uh, after eventually CRD will run yeah. it, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, now you also have approved a ban on construction waste uh, at Heartland Road? Yeah, that was the third issue of, of significance to Salt Spring. Obviously, we're, we're part of the regional waste function, and our, our garbage goes to uh, Heartland. Uh, construction waste comprises a very significant proportion of that, and uh, in an effort to extend the, the, the lifespan of the, of the landfill, we're hoping to extend its lifespan till 2100. We need to reduce the amount of waste that's going in there. Construction waste is a, a significant proportion of that. So the new um, uh, uh, initiative that the CRD board approved was to work towards bylaws and changing uh, the fee structure, tipping fees and whatnot, to uh, ban construction materials. So ban uh, wood and carpets, for example, um, and also revise the fee structure to penalize folks who uh, put those kind of materials in their, their garbage. You're gonna pay much more if, if that kind of banned waste is, is found. So there, there's a, a number of measures there that the board has approved. The actual bylaws uh, will be finalized. They, they wouldn't come into effect until January of next year to give um, you know, private households, businesses, haulers a time to adjust to the new regime. But the, the intent is to uh, divert about 40,000 tons a year of uh, construction waste going into the landfill, which will extend its life. And if, if, we, if we ever get to the point where that landfill is, is filled up, you, unless we can eliminate waste entirely, 
um, that may be a possibility, but a long-term one, uh, you know, we're going to have to find another landfill. So we, we want to avoid having to construct another landfill, uh, if at all possible. And, and would this affect people bringing these things to the, um, you know, the transfer station on Salt Spring? That that ban will apply, and transfer stations um, are are going to be have they're going to have to be careful about the materials they they bring to Heartland. Now, uh, separated waste, though, either brought by haulers or brought by um, businesses or households to the Heartland uh, depot, if if they're separated out, I I believe there's no charge for that. Mm. Uh, because those the intent is to recycle those materials, like the the wood, for example. If it comes out from an older house, that that wood is quite often old growth material. It can be quite valuable, and and uh, CRD staff believe that we can find alternative uses for them that uh, that cover the costs of disposal. Um, so yeah, that's part of the incentive system is to uh, you, you can't put it in the landfill, but if you separate out your materials and you bring it uh, to the Heartland Depot. Uh, that's uh, free of charge. Okay. And we sort of morphed into a discussion on um, shipping liquid waste off off Salt Spring Island. Uh, that was a, quite an interesting topic. And I think you said that we spend around $600,000 a year shipping uh, 97% water off the island. Yeah, when you put it that way, it does sound like a very good idea, <laughs> and it's not. Um, it, so it, it's been a bit of a, a struggle. Uh, right now, our, our liquid waste, so that's that's septic tanks, and it's also the, um, the, the sludge from the Ganges sewage treatment plant and the Malaview plant all go down to Burgoyne, uh, uh, disposed of in a large uh, underground uh, tank, and then uh, a larger truck, I think once or twice a week, take the material off island to um, actually to another waste treatment facility. Ultimately, it's composted, I believe, in, in Chimena's. But yeah, the 97% of the volumes are, are water. So we need to try and find a way of reducing that volume and reducing our, our costs. Uh, the, um, the Liquid Waste Commission which has now been disabled, uh, disabled, um, uh, dissolved. <laughs> um, the, the liquid waste function will be one of the CRD services taken over by the LCC. So the LCC will be dealing with this issue. And in this summer, the commission, it's, it's one of its last, um, uh, uh, acts was to, uh, approve an option study to look at ways to, um, uh, re reduce the volumes of those materials and and uh, uh, process it appropriately to reduce our costs. So that op the, a consultant's been chosen. A report will be coming to the LCC sometime in the summer, and so the LCC then will make a recommendation about how to proceed. In my view, we'll see what the consultant says. Our best bet in the short term is to dewater that material, 97% water, uh, and then uh, then we'd, we'd have to ship the residuals off. Uh, but it, it, obviously the volumes and the cost would be much lower. Uh, one of the reasons why we've had uh, difficulties with that service is that back in 
of 2010, 12, I forget the exact year. I wasn't director at the time. The CRD banned application of treated biosolids, even class A biosolids, which is which the provincial government allows and which is done in other regional districts. Our regional district board, in their wisdom, uh, banned application of biosolids, including composted material, to land. That was the intent. In fact, uh, in 2008, voters approved a $2 million borrowing bylaw to do exactly that, to compost our liquid waste and apply it to non-food growing lands like forest lands or, uh, or uh, quarries, landscaping, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, uh, but the board, um, as I say in their wisdom, banned that, and so that that threw us back to square one in terms of alternatives, and we just we f we just fell back on a basically um, uh, turning Burgoyne into a transfer station, analogous to solid waste, where you know individuals and businesses they take their their garbage to transfer stations, and then that's put in a big truck and taken off island, mm -hmm. versus individuals trucking their materials off island that that's that's what we do with our liquid waste instead of right. individual homeowners uh, sending their pumped out septic material to wherever on on Vancouver Island um, it, it's put into a big tank in Burgoyne and then a very large truck takes that material off so there there's some cost savings there right. but the it's still almost all water right <laughs> and I think you said that in your view the CRD staff would support composting if if they were asked, but at this and, point and I would and I would support it. At this but, point, they're not allowed to, right? Uh, but at this yeah. point, the board has decided not to, and they haven't really uh, revisited that. Um, now they cracked open the door um, because when the McLaughlin plant was built in Victoria, that large plant in Victoria, uh, the residuals, the sludge from that plant, is now shipped to Heartland, where it's dried in another facility at Heartland, and then those dried biosolids uh, were shipped to the Lafarge cement plant where it's substituted all, hmm. uh, you know, at, at cost. But Lafarge, uh, they, they have annual maintenance shutdowns, and the plan was for those brief periods of time, we would apply it to the part of the landfill that had been closed and was being remediated. We're growing vegetation on it, trees on it, not the not the uh, active part of the landfill. And the province was okay with that because it was a, a benefit, you know, it was used to promote right. growth on the rehabilitated part of the landfill. Well, the forage ended up being shut down for much longer. And so we started uh, putting that material into the active part of the landfill the province wrote us a letter and said that is uh we do not approve of this you are going to have to find a beneficial use in other regional districts that beneficial use is often composting but yeah. our board banned that so um the the board decided and it was a close vote and i supported shipping the material to nanaimo so we've we've come to an arrangement with actually a property owned by lafarge it's a quarry uh that they were probably in relation to their um their cement um you know, uh, manufacturing. It's a quarry that they are rehabilitating. And so they will mix the our liquid waste with sand, wood chips, and basically create a soil medium to uh, to remediate that. So the ban, uh, we've, we've actually, the board has cracked the door open uh, on that ban uh, by shipping the material out of region. 
Um, in, in my view, uh, I think we could use that material beneficially on Salt Spring. But in the meantime, until and unless the board lifts that ban, we need to be looking at reducing the volumes that we're shipping off, which means dewatering. Right. Okay, just to switch topics completely, um, I was quite <laughs> interested when you were talking about Parks and Rec, which is going to be another LCC uh, function, uh, the rot in the walls of the pool and the fact that the electrics are completely shot because of uh, chlorine, I gather. Um, what's what's the cost on that? Do we have any f idea how much it's going to cost to fix that? Yeah, the the electrical repairs, uh, I think, are in the order of 300000 and it's funded partly out of uh, capital reserves, but also with community works funding. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, the source of the problem there, and it, it's it's not uncommon. The the uh, the chlorine in pools creates a very um, uh, corrosive, de I guess. De degrading yeah. uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and if you're not uh, real careful on how you vent and all of that, you can create problems within your structure. So apparently, the problem with the electrical systems is that they weren't. Uh, separated off from the pool area and not properly vented. And so that chlorine-laden air, moist air, was getting into the, you know, the connections and all of mm. that, and, and, and there was a lot of corrosion, so we basically had to replace the system. Uh, I take it the same thing has happened. Uh, it, maybe maybe it's a design flaw, improper venting. For whatever reasons, there there is some... Um, um, uh, rot, I think is the right word, showing up in some of the walls. And so that's going to be another uh, expensive item, which, again, uh, capital reserves uh, that, that are contributed to annually. The service mm. puts money in capital reserves to deal with stuff like this, but also community works funds. We're not, I don't think we've had an assessment of the cost of, of, of that. But, you know, the broader uh, issue there is that particularly Parks and Rec, uh, we've got tennis courts that are going to need to be replaced eventually. The Centennial Boardwalk, we had an assessment of that done. Right. And over a period of time, the consultant estimates there's a, a $900,000 bill over time that's going to have to be dealt with uh, there. The, the, the theme here is that there are a number of existing assets owned particularly by Parks and Rec that are aging and are gonna need refurbishment or upgrading and eventually replacing. And so those chickens are, we, we are paying off debt, like we paid off the, the debt for the pool. Uh, so that's the good news. Mm. Uh, but the bad news is that, that the, the pool itself and other particularly recreation assets are um, uh, degrading over time and, and we have to spend money on them. Uh, so in my view, again, this will be the LCC will be uh, dealing with these issues. Um, in my view, given that that service is debt-free, I think we should be considering as a community whether it's appropriate to borrow some money to refurbish some of these assets um, that have have a long lifespan, like the, the Centennial Bar Boardwalk's been there for decades. The pool now is a 10, 15-year-old uh, facility. But if we if we bring it up to... Um, to snuff, it, it'll last for several other decades. If, if we've got no debt, but we've got these degrading facilities, maybe the community might consider a borrowing. That's something the LCC will have to consider. Right, and that would be obviously at a, 
a low cost because you'd only be paying the the carrying fees, right? Yeah, you you uh, instead of a, a lump sum, let, let's say to deal with those walls in the pool, it right. was a half million dollar bill. Uh, so instead of paying that in one year, which has a direct impact on requisition because our mm. our reserves aren't anywhere near you know that that uh, scale. Um, so you can incur that cost in one year, which means a huge requisition increase mm. in one year, right. or you can spread the cost out over time, which is what borrowing does. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and as long as the, the term of the loan is less than the life of the facility, you know, it's justifiable. So the pool, uh, we're, we're debt-free now. Uh, yes, there's some things we have to do on it, but that facility will last for decades. So that, that debt was justifiable. The library, uh, we, um, we will retire the library debt you know, for the new building in, I think, two years. In 2026, it'll be retired. So that, that facility, we own the land already, paid off the debt on the land. Uh, that facility will be debt-free in a couple of years. Uh, it's in good shape. Uh, we do need to start bumping uh, transfers to capital reserves, and I've started doing that. But again, there's a facility that will last for decades. And uh, if, if we had to borrow money, say, to replace a roof, say, in 20 years, that's justifiable because of the economic life of the facility greatly exceeds your, your borrowing. Right. You, you, you wouldn't, it would not be defensible to... Uh, uh, borrow money, say over a twenty-year period. You know, it's paid off in twenty years, and you're and you have to completely replace your facility in ten years, in, uh, yeah. right? So, yeah. as long as the life of the facility greatly exceeds the borrowing term, it it's uh, it, it's a justifiable expense. Right. But right. Uh, in electoral areas, voters have to approve that. So you have to make your case to voters that this is worth doing. Right. And just to be clear, when you talk about a requisition in increase, that's a sort of bureaucratic way of saying a tax increase. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it requisitions four <laughs> syllables instead of one. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe uh, it's maybe a bit euphemistic. Yeah. yeah. I try to avoid the tax word yeah, um, right. whenever possible. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Gary. Thanks for coming in and chatting today. Thanks, Damien.